السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على خاتم الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد الأمين وعلى آله وأصحابه الطيبين الطاهرين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد We continue with the discussion on the first hadith of Sahih Bukhari Every week uh, we have new brothers, new sisters joining us on site online So of course we cannot mention all the discussions that have passed in the previous a uh, number of weeks however every time i start off by again going over just the text of the hadith quickly and then jumping right into the discussion uh, where we left off some of the brothers they gave the feedback last time that uh, they would appreciate if there is a q and a session at the end not a general q and a but at least have an opportunity for those who have questions related to what was uh, discussed and require some further clarification so inshallah we'll try to give that opportunity inshallah bismillahirrahmanirrahim we had covered the sanad etc the matan of the hadith the text is bismillahirrahmanirrahim innama al-a'malu bin niyat verily actions are based upon intentions wa innama likulli mari'in ma nawa everyone will receive that which they intended faman kanat hijratuhu ila dunya yusibuha whoever immigrates for the sake of dunya to acquire it or migrates with the intention to marry a woman so his hijrah his immigration in uh, in the eyes of Allah will count as that which he intended intended otherwise other than Allah it will be for the woman's sake or it will be for the dunya's sake So inshallah, there are a few points left to discuss. Not a few points left by, uh, as far as what the scholars have derived, what the ulama have derived, what the shurah of hadith, the commentators of hadith have derived from uh, this, and they have mentioned and commentated. It's still much more, but a small selection of that is what we are sharing here, and a few items remain. <clears throat> so these are uh, some of the discussions that happened already uh, last time we spoke about what is the word that is missing in innamal a'malu bin niyat and some of the different words that have been placed there to make the meaning complete and how those different words can result in different meanings and how they are all beautiful and everyone has mashallah a different perspective one question here is if somebody asks the hadith as we just went over it is فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى دُنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا if a person he performs hijrah for dunya for material gain then fine his hijrah is not lillahi wa li rasulihi it's not for the sake of allah and the rasul 
But on the other hand, if somebody does hijrah and immigrates uh, to get married, then what is wrong with that? Why is that presented as something wrong in the hadith? At least that's how it looks like from the context. Because it is in juxtaposition with, it is compared to, فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ The one who immigrates for the sake of Allah and His Rasul, his migration is for the sake of Allah and His Rasul. On the other hand, when you're comparing with that, what do we feel? What do we understand? Oh, this is not something positive. This is now on the negative side. And the person is migrating for the sake of dunya. So if it is just dunya, just material gain, fine, that, that's not something commendable. But if he's making hijrah to get married, what is wrong with that? This is the question. A lot of times people, they travel uh, to different countries to get married. So if a person, uh, he got engaged to someone in another land, and he travels to that land to get married. The land of opportunity. So, some places they demand, you know, this is a Hindu custom about the jahiz that when you get married, you know, you want uh, cars or motorcycles or so much furniture, this, that. Sometimes the demand is in that regard. Sometimes the demand is the green card or immigration. So if somebody moves with the intention, uh, uh, somebody uh, does hijrah, migrates for the sake of getting married. Is that wrong? In this hadith it is wrong because it is talab dunya bi surat al-deen. If a person moves with the intention of getting married to a different country, that is not wrong. Uh, if they are moving from a place of, uh, where they do not have much economic opportunity, to a country where they have better economic opportunity. And uh, one of the processes that helps facilitate that move is marriage. Then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Of course, they have to have the good intention. What, what is the intention of uh, earning more money? It is to use that money to fulfill the obligations of one's family, to use that money in uh, rightful causes. Then there's no problem with having that intention. Over here, it was something negative because a person is not migrating with that open intention. Okay, I'm migrating with, for the sake of marriage. I'm migrating for the sake of economic opportunity. But rather, بِسُورَةِ الدِّينِ A person is seeking dunya, is seeking marriage, but he is cloaking that, he is camouflaging that, and presenting a false exterior, a false appearance, that this is deen. So in this case, the person when he's migrating or immigrating, then uh, he is presenting himself as a muhajir. I'm leaving my homeland. I'm leaving my watan, the land of my birth, where I have so many attachments, and I have my rest of my family rest of my loved ones, all of my assets, my life savings, subhanAllah. I'm leaving it all behind. And apparently it is what? For the sake of Allah and His Rasul. But the hidden agenda is that it's actually for marriage. This is what makes it despicable in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
So this is something very dangerous. And this has, uh, there are examples of this for us in our daily lives that we have to be afraid of. If a person is going to a business convention where different retailers are showing their products and he goes there with the intention to buy different products for his company, the entire venture is a business trip. If he is asked on uh, his form, tra uh, travel document, that what is the purpose of your trip, then he will circle. Is it business or pleasure? There's no option for religion there. So he will, it will fall under business. So now this is a, a business trip. If he um, makes the intention that his business is subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's fine. His first is a business and the business is lillah. Why is the business lillah? Because of the money he's going to fulfill the obligations. That's okay. But if he is going, for example, fi sabili da'wah, fi sabili ta'ala, for the sake of Allah, or he is going for hajj, or he's going ziyarat of Medina, or if he's going um, in a journey which uh, apparently it is a religious pilgrimage, a religious undertaking, but his actual objective is just the dunya. This is, you know, because we'll say hijrah from Makkah to Medina is not there anymore. لا هجرة بعد الفتح The obligation of hijrah to Medina after the Fath Makkah is uplifted. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said because there was a time when it was farad for those who accepted Islam as long as they were capable and they had the ability to travel they must migrate to Medina al-Munawwara. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said لا هجرة بعد الفتح The obligation of hijrah to Medina does not remain after the conquest of Makkah. So we'll say this, this discussion is not relevant. Yes, it is relevant because taking hijrah itself, which is moving, if the moving is apparently for the dunya, uh, apparently for the deen, but there's a hidden agenda is the dunya. Then this is what is madhmoom. This is rejected in mardud in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibrahim ibn Adham, rahimullah, he said, نُرَقِّعُ دُنْيَانَا بِتَمْزِيقِ دِينِنَا فَلَا دِينُنَا يَبْقَى وَلَا مَا نُرَقِّعُ So he's saying that our نُرَقِّعُ دُنْيَانَا If something in our dunya, in our worldly life, is torn. He gives the example of clothing. So if a person has, has a garment, the garment is that of the dunya. And there, there are holes in it. So now he is patching it up. Patching up his dunya. How does he patch up his dunya? By tearing up his deen. He's tearing up the deen to get the material to patch up the dunya. So neither our deen remains nor that which we are trying to patch up remains. We end up destroying the deen, we end up destroying the dunya. So there are many people who are it's not a matter of blaming other people, but it's a question for us to look into our own lives. That when we are doing the effort of deen, and we are very much pleased by it, and we're happy that subhanallah, we are doing great efforts of deen, we always have to continue to check our intention. Is there any hidden 
dunyawi worldly objective that is so subtle that we ourselves may be blinded to it we don't realize and this may happen shaitan he tries his best to ensure we don't even do the effort of deen but once through the tawfiq of allah we overcome shaitan and start the effort of deen uh, then he can corrupt our intention and once the intention is corrupt the entire action is rejected waqadimna ila ma amilu min amal faj'alnahu haba'an manthura subhanallah allah ta'ala says that the people they bring the amal they do the amal one is a person doesn't do the amal doesn't even do a good deed that is a different case we look at the, allah looks at the account of good deeds and there are no good deeds that's another story another individual another scenario this scenario is waqadimna ila ma aminu min amal the guy has amal he has good deeds that's the scary part somebody doesn't have good deeds okay he doesn't have good deeds this person has the amal but the ikhlas is missing there are hidden agendas so hidden so hidden that the perpetrator he doesn't even realize it's hidden himself everyone else thinks he's sincere this person is so fooled by shaitan he's so deceived he doesn't even realize that he's not sincere imagine sometimes a person is insincere he knows about it he knows he's insincere if he knows he's insincere then inshallah at least he, one day when he can reflect he can make tawbah but what about if he's insincere he doesn't even realize he's insincere that's a very difficult scenario la yadri wa la yadri anna la yadri he doesn't know and he doesn't know that he doesn't know so the person has the amal faj'alnahu haba'an manthura then allah ta'ala says we will turn it into dust dust means it has no weight because dust has negligible weight technically the dust may have some weight but it's negligible because on the day of judgment the actions will be weighed ونَضَعُ الْمَوَازِينَ الْقِسْطِ لِيَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And on the day of judgment, there is وَزْنُ الْأَعْمَالِ Weighing of the deeds. Not عَدُّ الْأَعْمَالِ Not counting of the deeds. But rather weighing of the deeds. And that indicates to us that in the eyes of Allah, it is not the quantity that matters, rather the quality that matters. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ الْمُلْكُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ الذي خلق الموت والحياه ليبلوكم ايكم احسن عملا نار اكثر عملا he is the one الذي خلق الموت والحياه he is the one who has created the system of life and death why are we alive and why will we die the purpose of this is ليبلوكم ليبلوكم lam tells you the purpose the ta'li the illa why what's the system of life and death about the entire purpose of this system of life and death is to test you the test the test is who amongst you will have the better deeds not who amongst you will have the most deeds so ikhlas is that which gives weight to the deed and that is why Rasulullah has said that لا تسبوا أصحاب محمد 
Oh, that is why Abdullah radiallahu anhu, Sahabi said about the uh, about his companions. He said, "لا تسب لا تسب أصحاب محمد فلا مقام أحدهم ساعة خير من عملكم عمره." That do not find faults and try to curse the Sahaba of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the companions of the Prophet, because if one of them he stood for a short hour in the ibadah of Allah, it is better than your entire life's worth of ibadah. Better than your entire life worth of ibadah Because the level of ikhlas Will give that amal so much weight So for something to turn To be turned into dust That something has to be there So the amal is there Then it's turned into dust Has no, no value And the person thinks He's doing a good thing This is what we heard about In Surah Al-Kahf on this Tuesday night's tafsir of Surah Al-Kahf, last passage, we covered this. People, they thought they were doing good deeds, but it ends up being uh, no value because the lack of ikhlas. Allahumma hafadna jami'an. Allahumma inna nasaluka. Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min al-riyah. Allahumma tahir qulubana min al-nifaq. Wa a'malana min al-riyah. Now, example of talaba dunya bi surat al-deen, seeking the, the dunya but the intention is deen is for what we remind our students. Because the students here, what are they engaged in? Seeking knowledge. So this first example comes to mind because this is what we are engaged in. What does that mean? We should not be taking this hadith and applying it left and right to others. How about let's apply it to ourselves. So this pursuit, noble pursuit of seeking the sacred sciences learning the sacred uloom of wahi, revelation such a lofty uh, subhanallah, noble pursuit if the intention is to seek dunya through it then this can become a means of going further and further away from Allah Rasulullah has said من طلب علما whoever seeks the knowledge of deen which علمن من طلب علما مما يبتغى به وجه الله such a علم through which a person could have sought the pleasure of Allah but this person لا يتعلمه إلا ليصيب به عرضا من الدنيا he is not seeking it for the sake of Allah, he is seeking it to acquire worldly name and fame and gain material dunya. That's the objective of studying the, the deen, unfortunately, for this person. So what is the punishment? It is not only that he will not get the high level in Jannah, but rather, لم يجد عرف الجنة يوم القيامة يعني ريحها. He will not even smell the fragrance of Jannah. He will not even smell the fragrance of Jannah. So the person is engaged day and night studying tafsir and hadith and fiqh and aqidah and pouring over these texts, working hard. But his objective is the dunya. All of that effort goes to vain. A person will be deprived of smelling the fragrance of Jannah. On the other hand, if a person has the right intention, subhanAllah, we swing to the ultimate opposite level. Opposite. 
180 degrees. This is from Fadail. So, certain level of dua in the Sanad is acceptable. Those who know, we're talking about Fasl Thalis of Mishkat here. It's Subhanallah. But this is a beautiful as far as the reward mentioned to encourage us. Hadith comes in, is mentioned that Man ja'ahu al-mawtu Man ja'ahu al-mawtu wa huwa yatlubu al-ilm A person that death comes upon him while he's engaged in seeking knowledge. So why is death part of the hadith? Why are we talking about death? We're talking about seeking knowledge with the correct intention. But man ja'ahu al-mawtu the person that death comes upon him and the hal, jumla haliyah, the adverbial clause describing what is his condition when he is dying. A person dies in the ICU, a person dies in the battlefield, a person dies at home, a person dies in different conditions. This person, he dies in such a condition that he is engaged in seeking knowledge. But why are we talking about the condition of his death? Because this indicates that this is a lifelong pursuit. It's not that he is engaged in studying knowledge in the school, in the madrasa, but, or just on Friday nights. Rather, this is a continuous amal of this individual. Every day and every night, whenever he has an opportunity, he continues to study the deen. Lifelong passion. As they say, min al-mahdi al-lahdi. From the cradle to the grave. He's engaged in seeking knowledge. All the way till he dies. Till the last moment. Somebody asked Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahimullah. And the reason they asked Abdullah ibn Mubarak is because he was Amir al-Mu'minin fil hadith. Great muhaddith. And great faqih. Lawla Sufyan wa Nu'man lakuntu kasair nas He learned from Nu'man ibn Thabit, Imam Abu Hanifa and Sufyan Thori. He said, if I didn't have the suhaba of these two faqih, I would have been like the rest of the muhaddithin. Lakuntu kasair nas I would be like the rest of the people. He's not talking about common people. He was saying, he was referring to the other muhaddithin who focus on the riwayah and they do not have the diraya. They focus on the sanad, but they don't have the depth of the understanding of the text. So he was not only muhaddith, he was a faqih, and he was a zahid, the author of the kitab al-zuhud, compiler. And he was a abid, and he was a mujahid. Ya abid al-haramini law absartana la'alimta annaka bil-ibadidi tal'abu. The very famous poem that he wrote to Fudayl ibn Ayyad, talking about his jihad fi sabilillah. So he, he was a, subhanAllah, a great, a great mujahid, abid, zahid, student Imam Abu Hanifa that said, أَعِذْ ذِكْرَ نُعْمَانٍ لَنَا إِنَّ ذِكْرَهُ هُوَ الْمِسْكُ مَا كَرَّرْتَهُ يَتَضَوَّأُ Please repeat for me stories of my Shaykh Nu'man ibn Thabit Imam Abu Hanifa. إِنَّ ذِكْرَهُ هُوَ الْمِسْكُ It is like the mosque. The more you rub it, the more the fragrance emanates. So, and he was a Tajir merchant and he had an international uh, business enterprise and he would spend in the path of Allah Ta'ala and he would go for Hajj every year, six month journey, going and coming. So basically, he was engaged in everything. Uh, you know, as they say, jack, jack of all trades, and master of none, he was master of everyone. So because he was such a beautiful personality, his akhlaq was so good, so great. As we remember the Yehudi, there was a Jewish person who put his house on the market in Baghdad and it was way higher than the standard price of the time. So somebody said, are you out of your mind? How can you even ask something that is so unreasonable? So then he said, 
you didn't even ask me about the house. He said, yeah, I know. It's a plot of land in the house. He said, can you put a true price I, on being the neighbor of Abdullah ibn Mubarak? There's no value of that. So this, I just came up with what I could, but there's no price for being the neighbor of Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Seek a neighbor before you buy the home. So this person, since he was, this Sheikh Abdullah Mubarak, since he was such a, uh, you know, uh, involved in so many efforts of deen, somebody asked him that if you have a few moments left in your life, which amal would you do? Because sadaqa, number one, jihad, number one, ilm, number one, da'wah, number one, hadith, fiqh, everything he's doing. So, he, so the question was, if you have a few moments left in your life, what would you do? Now he took that question and he made it, he, made, he gave it such a dramatic answer with so much imagery. He said, you're asking if I have a few moments left in my life, subhanAllah. If a sword is placed on my throat and the executioner is slicing through my throat, how much time it takes? Not much time. It's not like sawing through a, a trunk of, uh, of a tree that takes time. It's not that hard, the throat. It's very, very delicate. The trachea, esophagus, the blood vessels slice through it very quickly. So he says, if somebody puts a sword on my throat and they begin slicing it to slaughter me, and I have how many moments? Few seconds left. Maybe three seconds, two seconds, f four seconds, five seconds. He said, within that, those few seconds, if I can hear one hadith of Rasulullah and if I can transmit it to someone else, that's what I would love to do. Said, May Allah keep that person fresh and happy. Allah. The one who hears my words, memorizes it, internalizes it, practices upon it, and propagates it to the next person. Because there are many who may hear my words and you transmit the hadith to them and they will derive benefit from it, that which you as their teacher may not even be aware of. So I want that dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa so going back to the hadith, Rasulullah said, Man maut, The person that death comes upon him. What is he doing? Death comes upon a person watching TV. Death comes upon a person watching TV alone on his couch. And then when he, he's retired, it's not a matter of not reporting to work. And he doesn't have family who is visiting him because that's another whole societal issue. So uh, maybe a week later, such cases are there. Uh, where, you know, finally they determine after the body sitting on the couch for a week, deteriorating, that oh he died. Naudhubillah. People are dying in all kinds of ajib circumstances. But this person, manja'ahul mawthi, death comes upon him. And he's seeking knowledge. Now the point of the discussion was what? The niyyah. He has a good niyyah. What is his good niyyah? Is it for dunya? No. The one who sought it for dunya, what happened to him? He can't even smell Jannah. But this person, he has a correct niyyah. And that is also identified. It's not the fact that it's a good niyyah, it's also identified exactly what his niyyah is. His intention is to revive Islam in his person and to revive Islam in the world. As our mashayikh of da'wah say, so fisadzin, so fisadzin, so fisad. That's his intention. How can 100% of the deen be revived in 100% of the ummah? 
So that's exactly from this hadith. Islam. The intention is to revive Islam. The intention is not to gain followers on Facebook, to gain likes, to gain degrees, to gain position and honor, to be able to hold the mic, na'udhu billah. To be able to be in a position of influence and power. But rather, Islam, to revive Islam. Now, look at the stakes. Subhanallah. Instead of not being able to smell Jannah, what is this person's position? Allahu Akbar. This person will be just one level beneath the Anbiya in Jannah. One level beneath the Anbiya, the Prophets of Allah. Do we understand what happened here? You, can you match the Anbiya? You cannot match the Anbiya. Why can't you become a Nabi? If you want to break it down, there's two types of blessings. One is a ni'matun wahhabiyyah, one is a ni'matun kasabiyyah. One is a ni'mah, a blessing from Allah which is just granted, wahhabi, God-given talent, God-given ability. And one is something that you earn, you work for it. Does that mean it's not from Allah? Of course it's from Allah as well. But there is some human effort as well. Like if somebody... Uh, you know, they'll say he has a beautiful voice. How did he have a beautiful voice? Naturally, Allah gave it. Somebody, mashallah, has a beautiful face. Somebody has height. Did he work on stretching to get the height? Get the Nabi right? Okay, so if, uh, how is he going to get the height? It's not a matter of just hanging, uh, you know, some pull up bars to get the height. Right? This is. God given, right? Meaning Allah Ta'ala directly gives the height. But mashallah, we have the, the fitness center and there are people mashallah, working out, pumping the iron. So if a person has mashallah, a beautiful six pack, biceps, mashallah, no, it's cut, right? As they say. So this is something that he, somebody is burning the midnight oil and somebody is pumping the iron at night. So, people have different interests. Right here, we see that. You take a tour at night, when I take some of the guests, SubhanAllah, we see it. Take a tour at 11 o'clock, so some people are sitting in the library, pouring over the books, some people are working in the gym. Right. Why are they working in the gym? Because they just finished with their books, inshaAllah. Why are they staying in the library? Because they did, you know, they take turns. Asumu wa uftir. Aqumu wa arqud wa atazawwajan nisa. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, sometimes I fast, sometimes I don't fast. Sometimes, sometimes in the night I'm standing in ibadah, sometimes I am sleeping. Why is he sleeping? To get strength for standing in ibadah. Why is he eating? To get strength for fasting. So why are they working out? So that they, inshallah they can study later or before. Inshallah. So, if a person is working out, that's something kasabi. He made an effort. So we have two types of blessings. What are they? Wahhabi, given directly by Allah. And kasabi, a person makes an effort. And don't forget, the one who made an effort, where did he get that ability to make effort? Also from Allah. But it's just one step in between. So directly from Allah or also indirectly from Allah. This is what we covered today as well in one of the lessons. We were talking about Alif Lam. Alif Lam, there are different types of Alif Lam. One of the types of Alif Lam is istighraqi, which means all. Like, إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسَرِ 
there's one man who's in destruction or all of humanity is in destruction. All of humanity is in destruction. Where do you get the meaning of all? From the alif lam of al-insan. Except for those who had the four things. So likewise, when we say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, if you pick up any translation, it's all praise belong to Allah. Somebody will say, that's beautiful, I like it, it sounds good. But where did you get the word all praise from? So all came from? Alhamdulillah. All praise belongs to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So if you take the literal meaning, all praise, that means every praise done by anyone for anything. Whoever the Hamid is, whoever the Mahmud is. Whoever is praising and whoever he is praising. The praiser, maybe some, anyone, and the one being praised, the object of the praise, maybe anyone. All praise is Lillah. Someone say, okay, sorry, I have a question. Somebody says that, Praise is, is that, is that, does that mean no one is praised besides Allah? Yeah. What about uh, if somebody says it's a beautiful day? What if somebody says it's a beautiful mountain? Then you'll say, who is the creator of the mountain? Allah. So directly the praise goes to Allah or indirectly. Because Allah created the mountain. Allah created the beautiful scene, the beautiful beach, the beautiful day. But then, you know, this is all natural. What about if somebody says this is a beautiful building? Did Allah come down from the sky and build a building? No. Human beings build a building. How is this praise of Allah? Then what will you say? The intelligence of the architect and the structural engineer and the ability of the contractors to comply with the blueprint and construct it. Who gave the intelligence? And who gave the ability? Allah. So indirectly the praise goes back to? Allah. So directly or indirectly all praise goes back to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah. So that's why um, everything, it all praise goes back to Allah. And we are talking about now the niyyah. Man maut, a person, death comes, and he's seeking knowledge, bihil Islam. His intention is to revive Islam in the world. Between him and the Anbiya is one level in Jannah. And this level that he got, I wanted to emphasize, is the highest possible level. Because we have the blessings are two, Wahhabi and Kasabi, God-given and humanly earned. So Nubuwa is something which is, is do you think is God-given or is humanly earned? Allah Ta'ala, it's Wahhabi. It's not something that, okay, there's a recipe, a formula. If you fast so many nafal fast, give so much sadaqah, and pray so much tahajjud for 30 years, 40 years, as you climb the ranks of suluk and ihsan in Allah, in the journey towards Allah, you cross all these maqam, these levels, and you become, mashallah, qutub and qutub al-aqtab and this and that, and in levels of wilayah, and then you progress until you reach the level of nubuwa. Now you become a prophet. Is that the case? Na'udhu billah. First of all, we have a problem, is that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is what? Khatam al-anbiya. He's the seal of the prophets. No prophet shall come after me. But even when Nabuwa was open, it's not an, uh, you know, out there like work hard, inshallah, one day beta, you can become a Nabi. That was not the case. Right? So Nabuwa is Wahhabi. You can't do that. You can't work on it and you know, make that your goal. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a Nabi. You can't do that. You have to explain to the kid. You know, aim high, that's great, but 
There's a limit to that. Okay. Allah. So you can become a Nabi. But what's the highest you can get? Right under Nubuwa. And that's exactly what's mentioned here. Subhanallah. فَبَيْنَ وَبَيْنَ نَبِينَ دَرَجَةً وَاحِدًا You'll be one level beneath Anbiya. Means within the kasabi, that position which you can earn, it's the ultimate highest. Because beyond that is you're enter the realm of Wahhabi, given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that make it clear? يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا لِعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتٍ Allah will elevate the status of those who are granted knowledge. That's as high as you can humanly go. Humanly possible. So this is studying the deen with the intention, correct intention, whereas the wrong intention. So the reason that this was inappropriate was talab dunya seeking dunya bi surat al-deen. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, next point. Subhanallah. Is that, hey, what about Abu Talha radiallahu anhu? In the hadith, we have we talk about the hijra. What about the Islam? If you remember the story of Abu Talha radiallahu anhu, he, you know, he, uh, this is, a, uh, that was a muhajir umm salim that was in the hadith. Muhajir umm salim he did hijra for the sake of umm salim But we have another example. This one we know the name. So the answer is, look, these are some different answers. How many answers do we have? Five different answers. I want to quickly go through this because we already, mashallah, spent so much time. First one, this incident may be authentic in terms of his sanad. There's still an illa, hidden defect. What is the hidden defect? At the time, marriage to non-Muslims is still permissible. So maybe this hadith itself should be not taken into consideration. The hadith, innamal a'malu bin niyat, is sahih for sure. We're talking about the story of the hijra itself. Because marriage to non-Muslims was still permissible. Meaning, he, um, if he was a non-Muslim, he could still have gotten married to a Muslim. Second thing is, There was still reward for him in the end, because at the end, his Islam became sincere. Even initially, if the Islam was for the sake of the wife, then eventually at the end, what happened? His niyyah changed. So this is something really amazing. If someone has a wrong intention, for example, they move to dunya, they move to America just for dunya, they can check their intention and say, no, I, I, I revise my intention. You can backtrack, backdate it. Backdate the intention to 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years ago, depending on when you arrived on these shores. And say that, I changed my intention, that it is for the sake of Allah. So he made tawbah and his Islam became valid. Go back and change the intention. Or it only expedited his acceptance of Islam. This was not the main reason he became Muslim. It only helped in the process. Or Islam and hijrah are not the same thing. Hijrah for the sake of marriage at that time was not permissible. But Islam in the beginning was uh, was weak. Meaning the Muslim nation was weak. Islam is strong, but the Muslim nation was weak. Therefore, there was a concept of Mu'allafatul Qulub allowed. What is a Mu'allafatul Qulub? Mu'allafatul Qulub is one of the categories of those who are recipients of zakat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Tawbah, who are the recipients of zakat? 
انما الصدقات للفقراء والمساكين والعاملين عليها والمؤلفه قلوبهم وفي الرقاب والغارمين وفي سبيل الله وابن السبيل one of the categories of who the zakat can be given to is known as mu'allafatul qulub those whose hearts are going to be softened towards islam so meaning that they're not faqir and maskeen they're not poor and they're not wabn sabil that they have a lot of money at home but they're stuck away from their home in a foreign land they don't have access to their funds um, and they're not slaves that are being freed wafir riqab they're not in debt wal gharimin they're not mujahideen fi sabilillah what are they mu'allafatul qulub mu'allafatul qulub meaning they're rich they're healthy they have money and uh, the zakat money is still given to them to gain their loyalty towards islam this happened after fath makkah when 2000 of these new individuals from the makkah they joined nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the battle of hunain and nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam got a huge amount of spoils of war and camels and goats and sheep and a lot of it he distributed to these new individuals the zakat money the ghanima the spoils of war and this is an, a, a big incident that happened some of the ansar were not so happy the young ones they were questioning how is it that we are striving in the path of allah and then this uh, huge amount of money that came in is given to the qurayshis some young young ones said that the senior ansar sahaba they had no objection then when this was brought to rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam's attention then he said okay i'm going to have an exclusive session with ansar no one else should be there he got them together in one location and he addressed them and he tried to uh, mashallah it's very beautiful session they had in which he gave all the fadail and virtues of the ansar and he said law salaka an-nas wadiyan wa salaka al-ansar wadiyan la salatu wadiyan al-ansar if the people are traveling and they come to a fork in the road all the people go one side and the ansar go one side i will travel with the ansar and the people are like the outer garment and the ansar are like the inner garment close to my heart and he uh, uh, and he asked them that you know some of the favors he said lakum alam takunu mutafarriqin fa jama'akum allah bi were you not divided amongst yourselves and allah united you through me alam takunu dallin fa hadakum allah bi were you not misguided and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala united were, were you not misguided and allah gave you granted you guidance through me and alam takunu alla fa aghnakum allah bi were you not poor and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made you rich through me reminded them so they all said alminnatu lillahi wa li rasulihi all favors and ihsan is to allah and his rasul then he said okay i have spoken now is your turn you speak they said alminnatu lillahi wa li rasulihi we can only thank allah and his rasul he said no you speak then they said they didn't say anything then he said law shi'tum laqultum wa sadaqtum wa sadaqtum if you wished you could have said and you would have spoken the truth and others would have testified also that you are speaking the truth you're not saying anything i'll say it from on your behalf alam takun matrudan fa'awaynak were you not expelled from makka and we gave you support were you not alone and we helped you were you not uh, have no followers and we believed in you in the difficult times so then they started crying so he reminded the ansar that i acknowledge what you have done for me so at the end he said are you not happy that annas yarji'un people are going home with ibl with camels and sheep and what about you utarji'una bi rasulillah you're going home with rasulullah this is what they were afraid of because what was his watan 
that he made hijrah, leaving the Watan. What is that? Makkah. So he, he was born where? Makkah. And he grew up in Makkah till 40 years. After 40 years, he started Nabuwa. How long? 13 years in Makkah. So 40 plus 13, 53 years. We call him uh, Muhammad, you know, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Madani, right? Madani Nabi, Madani thing. Madani. But he was Makki actually. How many years? 53 years. Then, then after that, only 10 years. 10 out of the 63 is in Medina. So uh, now we are at 8th year of Hijrah, and now Makkah is conquered. So when he left Makkah, he was crying. O Makkah, you are the most beloved land to me. If it was not the people of Makkah expelled me, I would never leave you, O Makkah. When we go, we go to Makkah, we are there for a few days, and our hearts are so corrupted and rusted with sins, yet we do feel some sadness when we are leaving. Right? I feel like still making tawaf. My, my soles of my feet are still wanting to continue to make tawaf of the Kaaba and I have to leave or oh, let me stay somewhere. So we want to stay. But imagine Rasulullah how much he loved Makkah. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala consoled him. When he went south, opposite direction of Medina, stayed in the cave and then finally bypassed the city after three days and he came back. Uh, when he saw the road to Makkah, just seeing the road, just seeing the road to Makkah, he started crying. Like the lover who just sees the road of the home of his beloved and he starts crying. He starts crying when he sees the road. So he saw the road and he started crying. So uh, Allah Ta'ala revealed the ayah. This is not revealed in Makkah or Medina, right in the middle. Verily that Allah who reveals the Quran on you, He promises you one day He will return you back. So the people of Medina were afraid, oh now 8th Hijrah of Hijrah, Makkah is conquered, where is he going to go back? Go back home. So Rasulullah consoled them that I will return to Medina with you. I adopted Medina as my home. So anyway, over here, this, the zakat money was given to the Mu'allafat al-Qulub in the beginning of Islam, but after Allah Ta'ala gave strength to Islam and the Muslims, then it was abrogated, Mansur. We cannot give zakat money to non-Muslims. So this is what he's saying here. Islam was allowed, allowed Mu'allafat al-Qulub, whereas Hijrah was only for the pleasure of Allah. Then last response is, there is still reward in doing Hijrah for the sake of a woman, if the niyat is for the sake of nikah. Nikah is sunnah. Sunnah of Nabi Wasallam, not only sunnah of Nabi Wasallam, sunnah of Anbiya, all the prophets. The prophets, all of them had wives and children, with the exception of Nabiya wa Hasura, Mina Salihin, Yahya and Isa salam, with exception of these two. So the same applies to accepting Islam. I wanted to finish this today, that's why I'm going a bit faster now. Um, don't the first two sentences mean the same thing? What is the difference? What are the first two sentences? We forgot. Let me ex- show uh, um, the first two sentences. It seems to be the same. So we have to discover what's the difference here. Let me go a little slower with this one. You see this in Amalu bin Niyat, or see in English as well. Verily, actions are based upon intentions. Actions are based upon intentions. And every person gets that what they intended. Why are you saying the same thing again? Here again in English. Actions are based upon intentions, and every person will get that what he intended. 
Actions are based upon intentions. Everyone will get without any intent. It's pretty much, what's the difference? You know they have the puzzles? Sometimes in the back of the cereal box to keep you engaged during the breakfast with the kids. What is the difference between the two? Pictures. You have to look closely and you'll find the differences. So what is the difference here? Actions are based on intentions. Everyone will get that with the intended. Seems to be the same. You understand? That's, you cannot appreciate the answer until we understand the question. That's the question. So let's go see what the answer is. You have to figure out a shorter way to go through this back and forth, right? Okay. Uh, oh, hidden implications. Okay, there it is. First thing is very simple. This is the second sentence is further emphasizing the importance of the first. That's a very basic answer. A lot of times, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would repeat it in different, different ways. And the reason he's repeating, I call this the phenomena. So, okay, because this is something everyone, most people know about the fact. What do they know? That this is coming what? Multiple times. It's not, over here, you're worried about two times. How many times for Rahman? Our Hafiz can tell us. How many? MashaAllah. Yeah. So, it is every other ayah. Keep on coming. If somebody says, hey, I get it. Now, you don't get it. You still don't get it. لا من We have to get the reality of this. So, Allah Ta'ala keeps on asking, Oh, humans and jinn, how many blessings of your Lord will you continue to? Deny. So, um, subhanAllah, sometimes our scholars, they, they present something in such an impactful manner. One is to say, okay, son, when you hear something that you already heard before hadith, you should listen to it with reverence. You should continue to listen to it with respect. Otherwise, it's disrespect for the hadith. Then you're like, okay, that makes sense. But how much of an impact does it have? Perhaps for some pious, righteous individuals it may have impact, but someone sinful like me, it's like, okay, fine, I get it, got to be respectful. But one of the mashayikh of us, of ours, one day he said something which even hard-hearted person like me, I was like shaken up. All right. This is to wake you up as well, what I'm going to say next, because it shook me up. He said that, subhanAllah, whenever you hear an ayah of the Qur'an, or a hadith of Rasulullah and you hear this explanation or the text of it for the one thousandth time in your life if there is even one percent less reverence, respect, attention, focus, contemplation whether it is in your life or not as compared to when you heard it for the very first time, then know and be confident of the fact that you will be mahroom and deprived of the nur of that ayah and hadith and the tawfiq to make amal on it. It's, it's a pretty deep statement. Ayagane, right? That's why I was speaking slowly in case you're wondering what, what happened to this guy. Think about it. I was like, subhanAllah. Right? Sometimes there's a, there's a concept that is like, you can say it very straightforward or you can say it in a deep manner. Like, the, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu la tubtilu sadaqatikum bilmanni 
wal-adha. Oh, those who believe, do not invalidate your sadaqah by man, by ihsan jatana, by saying, oh, what I have done for you, man. Look, I helped you out. Wal-adha is beyond that, is actually torturing the guy. So a simple meaning is, when, somebody, when, you do, when you get an opportunity to help somebody out, don't continue to remind the guy and make a big deal. Right? One of the Mufassirin, you know, how did he explain this? He said, if you as a rich, perhaps filthy rich individual, and if you are giving some money or some food to a dying, starving, hungry, destitute individual who's collapsing out of hunger and destitution, and you're giving him life-saving money and food. And at that moment, if you have any doubt in the reality that you yourself, on the Day of Judgment, will be ahwaj, meaning in greater need of the thawab of that sadaqah, as compared to that faqir who is today on the receiving end, is in need of the aid you're providing him. If you have any doubt that you yourself, as the giving hand, are in greater need of the thawab and the, of that sadaqah on the Day of Judgment, then the one who is receiving the aid is in need of your aid today. Then you have invalidated the thawab of your sadaqah. That becomes what? Much more impactful. Wow! Actually, the ihsan is of the faqir on me that is giving me the opportunity to earn that reward which I will need on the Day of Judgment. There's, we can have a whole series of such impactful statements for another day. But this over here was, here when you hear something for the second time, we have the attitude, been there, done that. Come on, move on. We already know this stuff. So this attitude, what does that mean? We will not be, we will not have the tawfiq to make amal on it, if we have this attitude. We have to continue to have respect and reverence. So that is about taqeer, emphasis. But second is, subhanAllah, تَعَدُّدُ الثَّوَابِ بِتَعَدُّدُ النِّيَّاتِ لِعُمُومِ مَا What? Let me, uh, <clears throat> let me go back and show it from here. Sorry about this. Uh, is, if you, to understand this, what this means, we have to look at the text. It'll make it easier than something just uh, in, our, in, our, in our minds. You see this? Actions are based upon intentions. This is referring to the, uh, the quality. This is an easy way. I can divide it. Because what's the purpose of this uh, discussion? What are we trying to answer? Why is it? Twice. So we have to give a different purpose for this statement, and we have to give a different purpose for this second statement, they are both different. Why do they have to be different? To be unique. One answer was that, hey, it's just a repetition for emphasis. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kana yukarriruha thalasan. Typically, he would repeat some things that are important three times. He repeated it two times. Second answer is, no, each one is unique. How is it unique? First one is talking about quality. Second one is talking about quantity. What do you mean by that? What's quality and quantity? Over here is, look, quality. Actions are based upon intention. Means, if you have a good intention, reward. If you have a bad intention, adab. If you have no intention, wasted opportunity. So that's about the quality of the intention. Do we get it? We have to repeat it. Adaha salasan. So three times. So look at this. If you uh, let's go back to earning. 
If you're earning money with the intention of helping people and fulfilling the obligations, reward. If you have no intention, you're just mindlessly earning money. No reward, no punishment. And if you're earning money to show off to others, alright, just to show off. Araish, Asaish, Numaish. Araish is comfort, Asaish is luxury, Numaish is just to show off. Right? He's the three tabaqat. Araish, Asaish, Numaish. So you're going, the person is earning just for Numaish to show off. You have good food in the Walima, that's fine, Araish. Right? But then, you know, examples of Numaish, Na'udhu Billah, I don't want to go there today. So then the thing is, Allah. So if you have good intention, no intention, and bad intention. That's in Namal Amalu bin Niyat. And then the, this one here is not, we're talking about quality anymore. is talking about the quantities. Meaning a person will receive that which he intended. This comes from the word mam. That means it's open. Whatever you intend. Meaning, who said you can only have one niyyah? You can make one, you're not talking about good or bad. It's only good here. You have one good intention, that's great. Why not have two good intentions? Why not have three good intentions? Why not have four, five? You can have multiple good intentions. A person will receive the a person will receive will get that what he intended. Meaning one, you'll get one, two, you'll get two, three, you'll get three, five, you'll get five. As many intentions you make, that's how many you're gonna get. Now we're talking about quantity of how many good intentions. So for example, a person is performing two rakah. How many rakah? Two rakah. So, should he be performing for the sake of Allah or for the sake of showing off? That's in Namal Amalu bin Niyat. If he has the intention to please Allah, then he will receive the reward. In Namal Amalu bin Niyat. Actions are based upon intentions. How does In Namali Kudli Midi Imanawa, the second part, apply to him? He will get whatever he intends. What does he intend? Subhanallah, he comes to the masjid, right? Uh, so, does he come in the state of wudu or without wudu? What is he going to do without wudu here? So he has state of wudu. So he makes the intention of tahiyyatul wudu. Rasulullah said, Ya Bilal, why is it? What amal do you do that I hear your footsteps ahead of me in Jannah? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't have anything special. No, you're doing something special. He said, The only thing special is that whenever I get a chance to make wudu, whenever I need to make wudu, if I get a chance, I try to perform two rakat, tahiyyatul wudu. Asma'u na'alaik, right? Sawta na'alaik. I hear the, what is it? The sound of your slippers ahead of me in Jannah. Sometimes we just hear this, oh, that's great, that's high maqam. But if you think about it, wait a second. Wait, did you say ahead of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? How is that possible? Ahead of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Let's pause there. Wait, if you say, oh, he's Godin Rasul, I get it. High level in Jannah, I get it. But didn't you just say ahead of Rasulullah? Didn't you just, just, you just broke it down that Wahhabi, Kasabi and all of that. You can't be ahead of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, didn't you? So now he's ahead of, Subhanallah. How did he get ahead of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Verily, Jannah is haram upon other Anbiya to enter it until I enter it. And it's haram upon other Ummah to enter it until my Ummah enters it. 
مفتاح الجنة بيدي يوم القيامة لواء الحمد بيدي يوم القيامة I will have the flag of praise of Allah in my hand and I will have the key to Jannah in my hand so how is Bilal Radhanus footsteps ahead of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam it's because he is the Khadim of Rasulullah and he will be holding the rope of the camel Burak the Burak right it's an upgraded camel so he will Qaswa the camel is the dunya but the Burak of Rasulullah and he will be leading Rasulullah so that's why he's walking in front of him but who is the first person entering Rasulullah that's why his footsteps are ahead of Rasulullah now the reason we talked about this is because of the Tahiyatul Masjid so Tahiyatul Wudu he does it but that brings the second one he performs two rakat salah he's in the Masjid right what does he do Perform two rakat before you sit down. This is called Tahiyatul Masjid. So he performs Tahiyatul Wudu, Niya number one. Count with me because I'm going to lose count. Number two is Tahiyatul Masjid. Then this person, he has many needs in his life. Who does not have needs? Can leave because you know, you don't have any needs, you don't need to be here either. We all would have needs, right? Who has needs? Raise your hand. All of us have needs. So then we get the blood flowing a little bit, at least one arm. They, they're, they're lifting weights, we have no weight in our arm. So, uh, so the thing is, Allah Akbar, we all have needs. So is there any time you can say, I don't have any haja? You always have haja. So why don't you perform Salatul Haja, brother? So you make the intention of Salatul Haja. فَلْيُسَلِّ رَكَعَتَيْنِ Two rakat of Salatul Haja. Allah Akbar. Well, how do you perform Salatul Haja? Is it which specific surah, how many times you have to recite it? No specific surah, no amount of times. Any surah, brother. What's the difference? It's your niyyah. If you can remember the dua afterwards, that's greater, better. Sunnah. La ilaha illallah al-halim al-kareem. No one worthy of worship besides Allah, the clement, the noble Allah. La ilaha illallah al-halim al-kareem. Subhanallah, Rabbil Arsh al-Azim. Allah is pure, the Lord of the, uh, the great throne. لا إله إلا الله الحليم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين All praise belongs to Allah, Lord of the worlds. نسألك موجبات رحمتك We ask from you, O Allah, those things that will draw your mercy. عزائم مغفرتك and your forgiveness. والغنيمة من كل بير A big share of every good deed. والسلامة من كل إثم And safety from all sins. لا تدع لنا أو الله please do not leave for us ذنبا إلا غفرت any sin but you forgive it ولا همما إلا فرجت any grief but you give us relief from that grant us relief from that grief right ولا كربا إلا نفست there's many things that are added here ولا دينا إلا قضيتا and no debt you leave for us but you fulfill that debt on our behalf ولا حاجة this is why it's called صلاةل حاجة ولا حاجة هي لك رضا any such need of ours which uh, is not such a need that will be fulfilling our nafs but rather you are pleased with that need but you fulfill that deed yeah. so you recite this dua that's salatul hajj but and which one of us needs guidance from Allah when we decide matters we all need guidance from Allah it's not just when you get married looking for a different prospective spouses 
or candidates for marriage, you make Salatul Istikhara. Or you're looking for a job, Salatul Istikhara. Which college to go, Salatul Istikhara. Which city to move, Salatul Istikhara. Big, big major decisions. No. Salatul Istikhara, we can perform every day. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kan yu'alimuna dua al-istikhara kama kan yu'alimuna surata min al-Qur'ani. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to teach us the dua of istikhara with as much emphasis as the surah of the Qur'an. That's what the Sahaba say. So we should make istikhara. Ma khaba man istikhara, right? And what is it? Ma nadima man istashara, ukama qal. The one who seeks mashwara, he will not have regret and the one who makes istikhara will not have any, will not make a mistake. So istikhara, Make, perform. What is it? Make the intention. Then you make the dua. Allahumma inni astakhiruka. Oh Allah, I seek khair from you. Bi'ilmika. Because you have knowledge. You know what's right, and you know what's wrong. Wa astakhiruka. I seek power from you. Bi'qudratika. Because you are the all-powerful. Wa as'aluka min fadlika al-azim. And I seek from your great bounty. This dua is so comprehensive. You explain your ages in front of Allah. He loves that. فَإِنَّكَ تَقْدِرُ وَلَا أَقْدِرُ Oh Allah, you have all power, I have no power. You have all knowledge, I have no knowledge. I don't know what's right. They both look beautiful. Which one will be خَيْرُ مَتَاعِهَا الْمَرَأَةُ الصَّالِحَةُ And which one is تُشَيِّبُنِي قَبْلَ الْمَشِيبِ Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, الدُّنْيَا كُلُّهَا مَتَاعِ The dunya is made for a person to enjoy by Allah. خَيْرُ مَتَاعِهَا الْمَرَأَةُ الصَّالِحَةُ The best blessing of the dunya for a man is a righteous woman. On the other hand, Nabi Sallallahu said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika. O Allah, I seek your protection min imra'atin from such a woman. Tushayyibuni qabla al-mashibi. Hypertension, heart attack, angina. I'm not even making this up. Not for drama's sake. It's right in the hadith. Tushayyibuni will bring old age upon me. Qabla al-mashibi. Before old age. So he's 40 going on 75. Tushayyibuni qabla al-mashibi. It's so scary. So, which one is it? فَإِنَّكَ تَعْلَمُ You know Allah. They both look very, the Bayadiras look similar. فَإِنَّكَ تَعْلَمُ You know Allah. وَلَا أَعْلَمُ I have no knowledge. Allah. وَأَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ You are the one who knows the unseen. You know the seen and you know the unseen. اللَّهُمَّ إِنْ كُنْتَ تَعْلَمُ O Allah, if you know أَنَّ هَذَا الْأَمْرَ That this matter, this matter, this proposal. And in fact, I said it's supposed to be for what? Every day. Small things too. If you know Anna Hadil Amra, if this matter khayrun li is good for me, if deeni wa dunya, for my deen, my dunya. Faqdir huli wa yassir huli. Then decree it for me and make it easy for me. Thumma barik li fi, then put baraka in it. Decree it, make it easy, and put baraka. Complete package. Wa in kunta ta'alamu, and if you know Anna Hadil Amra, that this matter, shayrun li is bad for me, it's going to hurtful, harmful. Fasrifu anni, wasrifni anhu. Turn it away from me, turn me away from it. Now what happens? If it's bad, go away. But then you still need to get married, still need the job, still need something, right? What are you going to do? Then wherever else the true khair and goodness lies, decree that one for me, which I don't know yet. Because that by data is what? Not on the table yet. So decree that good one for me. Then what happens, last possibility is that you got emotionally attached to the first one. You were blind and deaf, you wanted that first one. Then it was bad for you, so Allah, you made dua, Allah turned it away. The good one comes, but it's not so attractive. Your heart is still attached with the former. So that is also taken care of at the end. The last words of the dua. Then make me pleased with that one, which is good for me. So I'm happy and content. 
So this, so this is the dua you perform two rakat salatun istikhara. Where which count are we at? Tahiyatul wudu one. Number two is tahiyatul masjid. Number three is uh, salatul haja. Number four is salatul istikhara. A person every day has enjoying what? So many blessings of Allah. So many blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa in ta'udu ni'matullahi la tuhsuwa. If you want to count the blessings of Allah, you can never enumerate. So is it not Allah deserves to be thanked? So two rakat salatush, shukr. Why does Allah want to torture you? He doesn't want to give you adab. Just be grateful for my blessings. Very few of my servants they make shukr to me. Allah Ta'ala says. So two rakat salatush shukr. You don't have a specific dua for this one. And then after that, who does not commit sins? Is there a day that goes by if you do not commit a sin? Every day we are committing sins. Every son of Adam, every daughter of Hawa is a sinner. So we have to make two rakat salatul tawbah. Add the intention of salatul tawbah. After that you can make the dua of tawbah. Allahumma maghfiratuka awsa'u min dhunubi wa rahmatuka arja'a indi min amali la hawla wa la quwata illa billah la malja wa la manja min Allahi illa ilayhi astaghfirullah astaghfirullah alladhi la ilaha illa wa al-hayyul qayyum min kulli dhanbin wa atubu ilayhi these are three kalimat which is inshallah for a talk of tawbah we'll cover that tawbah tin nasuh we make those duas or any other dua seeking forgiveness and then depending on the time if it's before Fajr, it could be the two rakat sunnah Fajr. It could be the two rakat nafal of the sunnah of that moment, of that time that you enter the masjid. You can make that intention too. This is called tadakhul bayna niyat. Having, incorporating multiple niyat. By the way, we cannot do this when it comes to faraid and obligations. Like four rakat dhuhr and asr. Jam'an wa qasran takes on a new meaning. Right? So we, do, we cannot do that. Ada and qada. This four rakat asr is for the 40 years of asr I missed. One shot. 40 years qada. Can you do that? No, we talked about qada umri before, right? I think so. Allah Did we talk about qada umri in this class? No, we didn't talk about qada umri. Huh? We did, huh? Yeah, okay. Somebody was taking notes. Okay, so then, yeah, so we cannot do 40 years one time. Or four years even. Four days even. It has to, each one is separate. So you cannot do that with farad, but with the nafal you can do that. So this is an example of Do we see the difference between the two? One is the quality and one is the quantity. I think it should be clear. Our ustad used to say, Tamthil se tafim me tasil hoti hai. Tamthil se tafim me tasil hoti hai. By giving examples, it becomes easy to understand. Tamthil se tafim me tasil hoti hai. Tamthil by giving examples. Tafim is explaining explaining a concept. Tasil is becomes easy. That's why I was giving the examples. Daraballahu mathalan. Allah gives examples in the Quran. Okay. This is what this means. Let's see what it says here. The first sentence shows that one will be rewarded based on their intention, meaning good or bad. The second sentence indicates that one can make multiple intentions and receive reward for all of them. You see, you read this? Now you keep that in mind of what we discussed. Does it make more sense? I hope so. Lastly, is لِشُمُولِ mabahat. This means that the second sentence is talking about the fact you can make righteous intentions when engaging in normal actions. A person will receive that which he intended means when you're eating, drinking, sleeping, 
It's about that. So the first part, is regarding ibadat. Ibadat. And the second one is with respect to mabahat. The first sentence is referring to ibadat, worship. When you're, when you're praying, fasting, doing hajj, what's your intention? Sadaqah, your intention is to get your name on the plaque. There was one masjid where I was someplace in the past. So they had a, uh, they, uh, they were putting up a plaque with all the names of the donors. Like, you see that this cancer center was, you know, through the generous patronage of so and so. So we looked at that, we get that idea and we want to implement it in the houses of Allah. So then they came to me, they said, Imam Sab, can you give us uh, an ayah to put on this plaque? And I was saying, Allah Akbar. Whoever gets sadaqah to show off فَقَدْ أَشْرَقَ has committed shirk. Should I give that text? He'll just trust me and put it there. I was saying, what ayah I want to put there? How do we somehow legitimize this thing? So, so then I thought about it and I said, okay, put this ayah. الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ بِاللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَ فَلَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ Verily those who spend in the path of Allah in the night and in the day, secretly and openly. Openly. That's the maximum uh, opportunity we can get to legitimize. Sirran wa'alaniya. Secretly and openly. They will receive the reward from their Rabb and they will have no fear, no grief. So, when is it secretly? When is it openly? Secretly is when you want to hide the identity of the Recipient, If you're helping somebody out, you don't have to broadcast it. That so-and-so is broke, financial difficulty, has medical bills, and I paid his rent. You don't have to tell the people. And if there is a cause, like which one? Tomorrow night, there is a, the, the fact that a property that is being bought, it requires money. Is that something hidden? The fact that Zaid Amar Bakr is going through a financial crisis is hidden. So that's Sirran. The fact that buying a property... Uh, this landscaper lot guy, he's a nice guy, rich. He was my neighbor for eight years. Rich and Rick, father and son. Father died, son is there. So, uh, he's, they're nice people. But do you think they're just going to give it for the sake of Allah? When they don't even believe in Allah. So, he's not for free. Is it for free? It's not for free. So, the fact that the property needs money is well known. So, it's not like you're hiding the recipient. You're giving it for the property. Closing on March 7th. So, over here, you can give it openly. What's the purpose of openly? To encourage others. Targhiban lil akhirin. So, Allahu Akbar. The first one was, innamal amalu bin niyat is for ibadat. What's your intention when you're giving the sadaqah? What's your intention when you're doing the good deeds? The second one is not about ibadat anymore. What are we talking about now? We moved on to something different. Why are we doing this? Remember the question was, why are they the same thing? So we're saying, no, first one was ibadat. Second one is about a person, إِنَّمَا A person will get that which he intends. That which he intends is referring to mabahat. Eating. When you eat, you're eating because you enjoy the food or because it's a blessing of Allah. Drinking. Sleeping. Why are you sleeping? With the intention because you're tired only or with the intention of getting strength for ibadah. Why are you getting married? All of these things fall under the second sentence. So these are three reasons why the sentence apparently comes twice. And this practical exercise, we already did it. How many intentions can you make when you're coming to the masjid? 
This is done with respect to the Turakat. A person prayed Turakat and he had six niyat. This is coming to the masjid. Number one, you're here in itikaf. I make the intention of itikaf as long as I'm in the masjid. And you're, st- you're here, by default, you're staying away from sin. Automatically, you cannot hear you cannot hear what music in the masjid. You cannot see the non-mahram in the masjid. Suppose it's supposed to be like that at least. Allah. I mean, staying away from sin is supposed to be in the masjid, but not all sins anymore, unfortunately. So, uh, st- uh, um, okay, let me just move on. Number three, waiting for salah. Allah, you're sitting for salah. Madama, what is it? Yantir salah fi salah. As long as you're waiting for salah, you get the reward of salah. Which salah are you waiting for, brother? Salatul Fajr. Kan yulfsalli al Fajr bi wudu il Aisha. Arba'in. 40 years. Prayed the Fajr with the wudu of Aisha. Let's do it once. Not tonight. So, waiting for salah. Inshallah, one day we'll pray the Fajr with the wudu of Aisha. Like Sa'id ibn Musayyim. Rahimullah. 40 years. Never heard the adhan outside the masjid. Forty years, you never saw the back of a musalli in salah. Forty years, you prayed the fajr with the wudu of Aisha. Al kinaytu abraqum min right? It's very beautiful. Here, you never heard the adhan outside of salah. What is outside the masjid? He was always in the masjid before the adhan. You never saw the back of a musalli in salah. Means he's in the first off. Prayed the fajr with the wudu of Aisha means tahajjud the entire night. So waiting for salah, waiting for fajr salah. Number four, exclusive devotion to Allah. That's why you're here. Number five, you're gaining knowledge, hopefully some knowledge, inshallah. Spending time in the company of you know, righteous people amongst you here. Meeting the Muslims, the believers, much, much more. So this is a practical exercise of وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ نَوَى A person will receive that which he intends. We can make these intentions and more. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Can we, uh, the feedback was to give some Q&A session. But it's, quite, it's a bit over time. If you, anyone has a question regarding what we discussed today, can ask it. Or we can ask offline, individually, if you want to allow others to return home. Anyone has a question? Ji has one. Ji? Yeah. So yeah, this is a question, which is a beautiful question. We didn't cover it today, but he's asking, what is Hilya? This is a book, Hilyatul Awliya. And Abu Naim is the Mu'allif, the one who compiled that book. Of, right, that has akhbar and, and stories of the awliya and other tarajim. And, yeah. So that is a book, Hilyatul Awliya. And that's why Rawahu Abu Naim fil Hilya. Any other question re- limited to what we discussed today? Nothing. Alhamdulillah, may Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal. Let us make dua. Let us make dua, of course, for the event tomorrow. That Allah grants us ikhlas and make it successful in maqbool. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. Allahumma ja'al ijtima'ana hadha ijtima'a marhuma. Uj'al tafarruqana ba'du tafarruqan ma'asuma. Wala tada'afina wala minna wala ma'ana shaqeen wala mahruma. Oh Allah, oh Allah, oh Allah, except this gathering, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, allow us to benefit from the ulum of uh, Rasulullah Wasallam and the beautiful commentary and extrapolations uh, of our mashayikh and our scholars of the past, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, allow us to implement these uh, teachings in our lives. 
and O oh Allah, O oh Allah, to propagate it to others as well, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, the ultimate greatest need we have, Ya Allah, from you is that you grant us ikhlas in our amal, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Grant us istiqamah on that ikhlas, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, we beg from you ikhlas and istiqamah, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Sincerity and steadfastness, sincerity and steadfastness, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Until we return back to you in such a condition, that you are pleased to see us and we are pleased to see you, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, accept all the good deeds of the brothers and sisters of Darussalam in the community here. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, the upcoming event, all those who are making efforts for it, accept them, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Granted, afiyah and salama min al afat wal musaib al-diniyya wa dunyawiyya wa Ya Rabbil Alameen. Grant us complete afwa and afiyah, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, protected from all types of calamities and hasad and fitna, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, all those that will donate, O oh Allah, accept their donations and O oh Allah, make it a memorable night that will spiritually rejuvenate us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, make all our tasks easy, Ya Rabbil Alameen. O oh Allah, those that are our, our collective tasks and those that are individual needs in our lives, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.